YouTube. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Orlando. We're back again with another podcast of Balancing the Scales. I have a special guest in the building today, and I am so honored that this person decided to join me and embark upon this beautiful podcast journey. Hopefully, I can uh, get her to stick around and we can actually create some pretty great content together. Ladies and gentlemen, my wife is on the line with us today. Say hello, my beautiful queen. Hi, everybody. She's very soft-spoken, but uh, I'm going to break her out of that shell, so no worries. But anyway, before we begin, you guys know how I do here. I like to pay the bills. I just want to let you guys know that you are loved. Uh, I appreciate your existence on this planet. Uh, every bit of your experience is very valuable to to everyone around you and everyone that's on their way to join you uh, or cross paths with you. So now that we've done that, I actually want to get into why we're here today. Today, I want to talk about marriage. So what better way to introduce the conversation about marriage um, uh, by bringing in my wife on the line with me? So, uh, Queen, some of the things that I want us to talk about today as it relates to marriage is, A, did you even want to get married? What's, was, was marriage even a part of your plan, um, you know, if you can go all the way back to when you were in college or when you were in high school, what, what was your thoughts on marriage and different things like that? Um, yes, I did want to get married. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I thought, I mean, I grew up in the church, so I thought that that was the proper way to do things, to get married and then have children. So I did want to get married um, all the way leading up to when you actually asked. And then I think I became really nervous. I mean, do you remember what I did when you asked in that decision? Yeah, you asked for bread. I remember that. No, that was the second time. You remember the oh, first yeah. time? Yeah, I did. When I you shut me down. I did. Pretty bad. I was fluttering around the room. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. So I, um, yeah, I got nervous toward when I saw that it was going to become a reality. And I didn't, um, I wanted it, but I was like really afraid of it at the same time. But I did always in the back of my mind want to get married. And I knew I was going to get married to you. I, it just became a little bit like nerve wracking, I guess you could say. Wow. So, I mean, honestly, for myself, I, I really did not think uh, I, even even when I was back in high school, I mean, I had some thoughts of marriage, but it wasn't something that was high on the priority list. I think for me, I was just more or less concerned. Uh, you know, I just wanted the girl to like me <laughs> and I, I wanted her to like me because, um, you know, like yourself, I grew up in a very religious um, background, too. So it was all about, uh, first of all, appearing manly enough. And then outside of that, you had to have the swag. And, um, you know, if you didn't have the swag, then you were kind of in trouble. But that was when I was much younger. Um, I think that when I met you, I was kind of in a in more of a place where I really wasn't looking. And so it just kind of happened that way. Um, we just kind of crossed paths and uh, it just happened. But anyway, so segueing a little bit. So tell me a little bit more about your thought process and moving into the the dating scene right so from my knowledge you had friends (laughs) (laughs) um but nothing that you would consider serious so talk to me a little bit more about that not just me but give everyone uh through the through the uh through the lens of your eyes what that uh looked like or felt like 
Yeah, I did have friends. Um, I never had an official boyfriend. Um, mm -hmm. That could be, I didn't. That could be equal parts. They didn't like me that much. And I didn't make myself as available as I could have. I was very emotionally unavailable, I guess I could say. I got that feedback from a lot of men. So, um, yeah, I don't think I was really present. Um, I was a virgin for a very long time. And I think I had... Um, I had hangups about that. I had, definitely had a chip on my shoulder about that. So I think I used to shut people out or shut them down before we got too close. And so that prevented me from getting um, a lot of boyfriends back in my day. So you were my first boyfriend and then I married you. So that, that was about it. Well, you know, I, I just have to say that I'm very honored. And uh, shout out to all the guys that that um, didn't jump on the boat. I appreciate you all. Thank you. But um, let's let's kind of back up a little bit. So you said that you were a virgin for a long time. Now, nobody believes me, you know, when I say that. You know, we waited, we waited. You know, I was very, I'm very proud of that accomplishment. You know, even though I'm not like really a religious person anymore, I found myself being very proud of waiting to have sexual experiences with my wife. Um, so moving into college. Okay, and if I'm not mistaken, you are a Delta, of course. Mm -hmm. Shout out to your line. All right. Uh, so you went through all of that experience and you never once. I mean, I can see why anybody would be like, yo, you lying. I don't believe it. she's a Delta. She went to Florida. Are you crazy? Like, bro, like she playing you. Okay. So, yeah, I did get that. Um, but I want to. I, mean, I wish they would. Find me a man that could say that I had sex with him. That's all I want. <laughs> They know where I went. They know my background. So find me a man who says, yes, I had intercourse with. Are we giving our real names on <laughs> <laughs> And then, I, you know, bring them to me and I'll see what they say. Okay. So, yeah, we're not going to throw names out there. But, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I'm definitely not going to go track down every guy that you've talked to from college. It's probably quite a few. No. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm definitely not going to track down every person you talk to in college. Uh, I'm pretty sure your line sisters can give me the scoop on that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, well, I mean, I, I can't say this, everybody. I'm very proud of, of, of that accomplishment. Not just, of course, my wife was kind of the lead on that because I obviously was not a virgin whatsoever. Um, but I was ready to embark on that type of journey where I can find someone that can challenge me in that way. And I think that that was kind of the really strength of our marriage, um, being able to do that. So let's segue into this conversation for a second. So you, we realized that you were not emotionally available, right? Um, can you tell me why you were able to put yourself in that type of state of mind um, that kind of gave you the ability to kind of like just exist without having to attach to anyone? Do you think that it was because you did not have sex? Is it because you didn't have the, the desire to uh, be noticed by guys? I mean, what, what was your, your thoughts throughout that time from, from high school moving into college? Oh, well, there was definitely a desire to be noticed, but there was an equal desire to, um, I guess, stay hidden at the same time or like I wanted to be someone's girlfriend and to be public with someone and to have all the cutesy things that people do with their um, significant other. But I didn't want um, them to really know me I, or I didn't want to reveal that part of myself to them. So um, so I would get I would I would I would embark in these relationships or these like extended friendships where we would um, 
you know, obviously have be more than just friends, kids and go out and have, you know, um, moments together. But I never opened myself up enough to be really known, I guess, by any of them. And that was, I, in a way, a protection to myself because I didn't want it to get out that I was a virgin and everybody started looking at me funny. And so I had to make up stories that I, like, I wasn't a virgin so that I wouldn't be looked at as, like, rude or, you know, church. Everyone girl. thought you were better than them. I don't think people I mean, would think that I was better than them. I just thought I, I looked childish to be that old and still have been a virgin. No one that I knew was. So I thought it was really... Oh, well, I had two friends that were, but they, um, they later... Um, lost it, so they. Um, I don't know. I just felt childish to still be a virgin. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I guess for me, I was. Uh, I wasn't necessarily a virgin, but I did take pride on being uh, different. And, and when I say different, I mean like more or less concerned about others' feelings. So I, I was very conscious of how I treated my my girlfriends sexually and different things like that because i was i i cared about their feelings and stuff like that so i wasn't just um trying to just be the average joe um when in reality i was i was lying to myself but i just used that as a as a um as a gateway to uh make myself seem like i was better a little bit better because I was having sex and yet I was a Christian and you know all these different kind of things all right so you were able to navigate that point of your life and it pushed you into college and then you begin to meet all these new friends and and um, navigate all these new emotions and and then all of a sudden um, things get a little bit more serious right uh, moving into adult life from college so talk to me about that how does that feel being in church you know, um, hanging with friends, going out to the club. I mean, what what was that? How did that make you feel? I think the sentiments were still the same. I still felt hidden. I was uh, I lied often because I would never say the truth about that. So um, I did felt you like lie about your virginity. Of course, of course. In college, oh. yeah. Nobody wants to say they're a virgin in college, even if you are a girl. I know that like movies make it seem like only boys lie about that, but that's not true. Well, at least not for me. Well, then again, I'm, I have boyish tendencies, so I don't know. But I thought that that was silly. And so, of course, in adulthood, I'm for sure going to lie. I'm not going to get out of college still being a virgin. So, yeah, I just felt like a sham. Like, I felt really um, like a liar, and no one really knew me. Not even my closest friends really knew me. And so, um, I think it was it was a day in church where they were asking all the virgins to stand up. Which, by the way, I mean, was that crazy as hell to do that? But they did you asked, stand up? Hell no, <laughs> hell no, I did not. But um, what struck me was that I didn't care to not have stood up because I wasn't going to stand up even if I had been truth more truthful. But even my friends right next to me didn't know the truth about me. And I think that that made me feel like really bad about myself. It wasn't just that I was going to lie to the rest of the church because, yes, I would still lie to the rest of the church. But to this day, to this day, I, well, now <laughs> you can now. <laughs> I, <got that>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't lose that card, but um yeah, I think I still would have not stood up because I think that that was nobody's business. And I think it was a very sexist thing to do to the women in that church. However, um, I still would have wanted my closest friends to have known the truth. And even they didn't know the truth. So that's when I decided to be more honest with myself and others. Hmm. Wow. That's that's deep, man. Um, so, I mean, do you think that... Well, it's interesting because I, can, I, I don't think that half the women in the church today are versions 
um, even if they were, do you think that there are women out there that are ashamed of their virginity today? Maybe the younger ones, maybe older ones. I think there's a period of time where you're proud, which is when you're younger, younger, younger as in like middle school. Cause I mean, these people are having sex now crazy. So I think middle school and high school, you may be a little bit proud. Then you kind of start losing that around high school and middle school and high school and, and college, because at this point you feel like everyone has now had sex and you're the only one that has not then after college you have a small window of being proud again maybe between the ages of like 21 to like 25 where you feel like oh man i made it out through all of that and i still i'm a virgin i'm still saving myself or i'm still you know looking for the one or whatever you tell yourself or whatever you believe in um but then like after 25 i feel like the shame picks up again because at this point you thought you were going to have that person you thought you were going to have that husband or that significant other or whatever and now you haven't found that person and you're getting up there in age and now you don't want to just sleep with anybody because you have saved yourself for such a long time and you have said no to so many other people that you really liked and to only just go ahead and have sex with the first person you see at the club now now that feels cheap so now you're going into 27 29 30 and you're still a virgin i think that yeah then shame i well at least for me i could see and i can understand in others how shame and embarrassment will set in at that time because you feel like oh man i missed out on my window to do that and i missed out on the person that i kind of like to do that to now have no one as a suitable person for me to experience that level of intimacy with mm. But I think maybe people are proud all the way till 35. I don't know. No, I mean, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair um, assertion. And, you know, it's based on your experiences. I mean, you know, everyone that's, that's listened to my podcast in the past really, really know that I, I really like to share stories through that, through the lens of my own eyes and give them the opportunity to experience the other aspect of, of themselves, because I believe we're all connected, right? We're all connected in some kind of way. So that's the point of the podcast. So yeah, definitely share from from your own lens. At least I I hope so. Otherwise, somebody's been lying this entire time. And um, I still problems. think that you don't think that I was a virgin. When I, when well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I definitely have my doubts for a long time. Um, you have your doubts now? No, nah, I, I think I'm a little bit over it now. A little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So you think I based this whole marriage on a lie? <laughs> well, women are good liars. That's we what are, I've been told, and I'm a great one at that. Yeah, yeah. but I'm not lying about that. Uh, well, I believe you. I have no, no choice. Don't. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I have no choice now. Um, two kids later, it's no going back. <laughs> um, but anyways, you guys, uh, so let's let's kind of jump uh, into this, uh, which our original topic, which is marriage. So, so now that I will, I will say this. So let me let me put this disclaimer out there. So one of the big reasons why I knew she was my wife was because based on our lack of sex life. It really catapulted our, uh, I said that word right, um, our communication to a different stratosphere. And so we actually, she came up with all of these different methods for us to communicate. So one of our methods was uh, through journaling. So let's talk about journaling a little bit, because I believe in the journal, there was a section that I wrote. Well, you said you didn't want kids, right? Uh, I said that hey, I'm open to one. By the way, now she wants four. We have two. Um, so obviously women don't know what they want, fellas. Um, but talk a little bit about how us moving into friendship and then into relationship and um, talk a little bit about what that communication level was like for you. For me, it was great. It was phenomenal because it created other ways for us to uh 
talk to each other without being in the same room. Um, a lot of times I felt like we were, I knew when you were lying to me when you weren't around. Like, remember that time you were in Tallahassee and I knew you weren't answering the phone and I called you from a burner line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a little crazy. crazy. Yeah. But you know what? I, it works, right? No, it I, I caught you on a damn lie. Didn't, you you lie. didn't catch me in anything. I wasn't answering the phone because I was busy. Uh, yeah. You didn't answer my calls the entire weekend that you were gone. Obviously, you felt like I was bombarding you, but that's not that. I don't want to segue <laughs> into that. All right. No. <laughs> I want to talk about that. You don't want to segue into you being absolutely insane. I don't want to talk about that because we're (laughs) going to continue on with you talking about the communication factor. We'll get into that in a later podcast, but Mm, because maybe I was a little crazy, Uh all right, but you definitely exemplified a lot more crazy than I have that one time. So, exactly. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's talk about the communication tip. Mm-hmm. Tell uh, tell the people about how that uh, affected your communication life with your husband. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, not having sex definitely helped because we had to talk things out. So if there was, I feel sometimes sex can be um, a way that you can resolve problems So or, or speed up intimacy. So if you want to feel really connected to a person, you can have sex. If you want to um, squash an issue or resolve some tension, you can have sex. Um, if you are bored, you can have sex. And we didn't have that tool in our arsenal. So we had to figure out different things to do. So that's when the journal or the notebook that we shared back and forth, writing letters to each other, um, you know, the messages that we would leave one another, the actual letters that we did. So all of those things, I think, helped with communication. And when we took that um, premarital, what's it called? Counseling course. We scored incredibly high. Shout out to Miss Dana. Shout out to Miss Dana. She was so awesome. We scored incredibly high under communication. In fact, it was probably our highest, um, section and you're incredibly low in the like sexually pleased section i think you were like at a 10 percent um <laughs> pleased and i was like ah, i'm 50 percent okay so um but that showed i think you know that that was the one area of our life that wasn't really focused on and so we got a chance to build all the other ones and then when the time came now we can dedicate the rest of our lives to building up our sex life and experimenting and doing all the things that we didn't get to do during the dating section um section of our of our um relationship which i think helped yeah, I definitely remember those those days where we were definitely high in communication, um, and she was very impressed with that. And uh, now, with that being said, do you feel that religion, in a way, was effective for that? For me, yes, because I—I I mean, because I it didn't work for me. I still was having sex, so no, it hell worked for me. I I was not only just at the beginning, I was afraid of hell. In the in the middle part, I was afraid of of STDs and babies, and then at the end, I felt like. I was supposed to do that with my husband. So I think religion for sure worked for me. Um, but now, you know, looking back, I can see how it didn't. I think I was an anomaly. I don't think religion works for almost anybody. I don't think that that fear factor works for anybody, but it, it really helped me out. Wow. So it was definitely a fear factor. Yeah. Um, I had the same level of fear, but man, that desire definitely trumped that fear. <laughs> I um, yeah, for, I guess for some people, it, it just really depends on their their uh, their mental state, uh, what state of mind that they're in. But yeah, so uh, you know, you guys, you basically what I'm trying to get to the point, uh, or the point I'm trying to draw out here is the understanding that outside of sexual um, experiences with your with your partner, it really 
cuts off the communication factor. Now, listen and listen to me well. I'm not telling you not to have sex with your partner. What I am saying that if you were to, uh, let's say, cut off sex for uh, maybe two weeks and pleasure each other in other ways, flirt with each other in other ways to build up the anticipation of the sexual experience and see what that can do for your for your sex life it's definitely worth a shot i mean i think i know some people are like blasphemy blasphemy um that's not god of course it's not um but anyway okay so let's talk about marriage a little bit we got about 10 minutes left we're going to do a 30 minute segment today and um you guys make sure you send me messages if you guys like this make sure that you give us a five star on our podcast on the apple i uh, Apple Podcast, and make sure you give us a rating on Spotify as well. We're streaming all over. I really appreciate it. Make sure you're sharing it with your family and friends. Open up those conversations about friendship, marriage, and so on and so forth. So within the next 10 minutes, what I'm going to do is talk a little bit about moving into marriage and um, kind of your emotions and your feelings about that. A, I want to start by asking you, do you feel that your wedding was everything that you thought it would have been? And I want you to be very transparent about that because that's uh, a serious conversation. Yes, I think it was. At that time in my life, that's exactly what I wanted. I think in earlier times of my life, yes, that I envisioned something uh, way bigger and much more um, elaborate. I did, but that I was way younger. I think as I became an adult, I, I refined that taste a little bit. It's like how when you're little and you don't like tomatoes and then you get older and then you're like <laughs> killing tomatoes. Um, the same thing. I think when I was little, you know, princess, castle, all that stuff. As I got older and I understood you got to pay for this, um, yeah, that got, that taste got refined and it became more about what was important to me and not what was showy or elaborate. Wow, that's, that's, yeah, I think I knew that about you. I, you know, I always knew that you said, I want the moon, I want a sailboat and, um, you know, farm. if I had a, and I want a farm, but I, if I had to get married, I definitely want to be married in open fields and, and land and all that stuff. And so, you know, shout out to my sister-in-law because she played a big role in that. She did. Um, she did. Uh, thank you for that. And we really appreciate you. And you. we talk about you often in regards to that. But also shout out to my best man, which is my homeboy, who kind of went above and beyond to also help with that sec, with putting that together. Because really it was, it was, the way it happened was just quite phenomenal. I think um the manifestation by which that took place it was a lot of factors that came into play um in order to make that happen was it what you envisioned um i definitely uh, well to be honest with you men don't think like that okay. um we just think that oh we're gonna get married and then that's pretty much it we'll elope we're fine like we i mean most of us are some men actually get more into the hustle and the bustle of marriage and they become like the manzillas like you have mm-hmm. the bridezillas, but not for me. I was just like on the journey. I was just riding. And you know, if you were happy, I was happy. The only thing I wanted was alcohol, you know. Give me some alcohol and um, a room because it had been what, two and a half years before I had sex. So I was definitely not caring about the house. Um, <laughs> you could have put me in a tent. I still would have been happy <laughs> at that point. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it definitely was. It was definitely uh, everything that I needed. And um yeah, definitely an enjoyable experience as well. And I still feel like we're on a honeymoon. It's, it, to me, it just things seem like a blur. You know, um, everything happens so fast. Um, but I'm grateful for it, though. I really am. Okay, so let's talk about the real stuff. What did your parents really think about me? You know, when I re- when I first met them, you know, I was I was it was it was a bit of a language barrier, right? So plug a pin there. So my wife is Dominican, and I am 
black American. So, or, uh, but I was a bit concerned about our, our parents meeting for the first time. Um, my black American family eating your Dominican cultured food was definitely scary for that first Thanksgiving. So yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I think we should talk about what your family thought of me. Well, my family thought you talked fast and they, they could barely you. understand. They still do. Um, but they, they definitely thought they couldn't understand anything your family was saying. So they would said that they just nodded their heads when someone mm-hmm. talked to them like, yeah. Um, <laughs> you still do that. <laughs> you do this ridiculous acting. Oh, hey, Miguel. Oh, hey, nice to meet you. Like I'm trying to embrace the culture. <laughs> we don't speak like that. <laughs> I guarantee you that everybody on this podcast listening will comment that you have an accent. And you have one too. And don't get me started on accents. No, I don't. Uh, I think you're exaggerating a little bit. But, um, (laughs) no, no, my parents really did think that everyone talked fast. And so it was difficult. Uh, The food, um, my first year eating the food, I broke your sister's toilet. I'm pretty sure she remembers that. Um, (laughs) I was, I was very embarrassed. Um, but the next year, I I think I did it again. Did I do it again? I think I, think, I, think, I think I did. Man, I did. You don't like pasteles. Uh, that was the thing. That I don't I know did. what it was, but it wasn't okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's because for Thanksgiving you guys have Burger King, and if you we do not that. have Burger King. Yes, y'all do. We have real American food. Mm, McDonald's okay. on the side. Yeah, I don't agree with that. That's not true. Um, but no, the food was definitely interesting. So the spices were different. My mom actually liked some of the dishes. My aunt did too, but some of them they didn't. Um, and they were very adamant about not eating it again the next year. So they didn't eat it the next year whenever we actually communed together. But they did have some things. Like your mother was very, I, I appreciate your mom for this because she said to me, hey, I'm going to make American dishes this year for your parents. So um, it ain't worked she made some american dishes and they actually really enjoyed it those those barbecue beans are pretty good she's definitely mastered the art of that and that's how i know she's a natural cook shout out to mom shout out to mom okay so anyways you guys um you know thank you baby for coming into the podcast you know i'm i'm hoping that we can make this something that's normal you know um we can actually own this podcast together and and create episodes and talk about topics and um help people uh as all of you know the purpose of this podcast is to help people help people help themselves and view themselves as a part of uh everything that they that they uh that they're everything and everyone that they're connected to and the experiences that they uh that they're connected to so anyways, you guys, this has been Balancing the Scale with Orlando J and V. And we appreciate you guys for listening. And we are out. Do you have anything you want to say to the people before you go? No, not at all. Any advice for the newly or uh, couples that are considering marriage? Do premarital counseling. Do premarital at counseling. At least 10 weeks. Yeah. We did 90 days. Right? And be honest when you're there. Don't. Please be honest. Don't. That's silly not to be. And it's okay to be honest in front of your, your partner. You know, because either way, if you're lying to them, you're lying to yourself. This has been Balancing the Scales, and we're out.